All right, everybody. Back down here in the basement. I'm on my way back. I got, just got back last night from, from Pirate City in Bradenton, checking out the big league club, but also a decent amount of minor leaguers uh, over there at Pirate City. Got to see some sim games. I talk about a little bit of that there. Maybe uh, when me and Chris talk next time, I, I, I'm still like riding on a high, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted here. But you know what's coming up next? We went to Bradenton. We came up north to Greensboro, and now we're headed over to Altoona. I'm just going to say my favorite team, been my team for a long time. When people say, who's your favorite, you know, Pirates minor league team, I mean, I don't care who's on the it, – it, it's Altoona, man. And you can see the hat. I got the gear. I got Altoona sitting here. I got my Adam Heisdu bobblehead, man. I am ready for curve baseball and to do that i am bringing on uh for the first time on this show i believe maybe the the second time overall on box in the basement uh play-by-play -play guy for the altoona curve john moses that's no h and at spelled with a z john how you doing today brother doing great man um you know crossover season is fun for me because i'm covering a lot of basketball so spent last weekend at the ivy league tournament at princeton and now I'm back into baseball mode today for a couple of days before we go to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah, you're rocking. What is it? The Princeton uh, women's basketball hat, uh, 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 the the beanie or what? I don't know what everybody would call it. I call it a tassel cap. Well, so this is actually a Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl champion hat. Which oh uh, my god, why did you do that to me? To why well, did you do that to me, brother? I mean, I'll I'll take it. I like you, so I'll, I'll let it slide. Hey, man. One of the things, one of the biggest sports stories that will never be matched in my lifetime is Nick Foles being the Super Bowl MVP in a game that Tom Brady played in. And like, <laughs> even I say that out loud now, like six years later and after my team was just in the Super Bowl again, like nothing will top that moment for me. Yeah, those those are like a bunch of things that shouldn't go into sentences together. So I, it's it's definitely it's one for the ages. But but we're here to talk some 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 curve baseball. Like I said before, I mean Altoona. I grew I grew up just outside of Indiana, PA. Altoona was a quick shot there. I, I still only live about an hour and a half away. Uh, make it out to as many games as possible. Unfortunately, it's not going to be till Mother's Day this year. Going to take my mom up there. She loves curve baseball. Take the kids and everything and celebrate that Saturday before Mother's Day. Usually, like to try to make it the opener, but with it being on the day before the home opener here in uh, Pittsburgh, that makes it just a tiny bit difficult. So I uh, wasn't able to swing that, but we're going to talk, we're going to talk some curve baseball here. Um, last year coming into the season, uh, the curve had a lot of buzz around them uh, just because, you know, you had Nick Gonzalez there. You knew Henry Davis was going to get there at some point. I mean, a, a rotation, supposed to be filled with, you know, Quinn Priester, Mike Burroughs, Carmen Majinski, Kyle Nicholas. You, you have all these guys, Omar Cruz. And it just kind of, uh, oh, Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier after his breakout season. I, I'm, I knew I was going to forget somebody because there was just so much stuff going on there. And then I wouldn't say the curve fell flat. I mean, every single time I looked at it, it was competitive and different stuff, but nobody, I mean, outside of Burroughs, that hot season, I mean, you end up with Quinn on the, the shelf to begin the season. So last year, definitely not what we wanted to see from the curve. 
Yeah, I mean, injury was was just a big part of it. I mean, you're talking about at the beginning of the season, somebody they were expecting to start opening day, Quinn Priester, you know, in his last spring training outing pulls his oblique. And, um, you know, it was really a difficult task for manager Kyron Madison and his staff to just sort of handle everything day to day because there was legitimately seven or eight prospects in that roster you know in that opening day lineup and Andres Alvarez didn't play on opening day and then he goes <laughs> and hits 20 homers and steals 20 bases and um you know that was an unfortunate part of the of the story for the 2022 curve is that you know injuries knocked guys out for extended periods of time um you know Henry Davis arrived with a thump and then missed time and then came back and then missed more time and then you know got some final at bats down the stretch of the season um, you know, adding Andy Rodriguez, Matt Gorski as the year went on. I mean, it's it's a pretty incredibly talented group that has come through Altoona last year and that I expect will will start the year in Altoona this year. Yeah. And I, the last game that I went to out there, uh, beautiful PNG. I love the view. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I got to see them face uh, pretty much the, the number one pitching prospect in baseball and painter from the Phillies. I organization and as we were walking in me and my uh the two oldest ones nikki g hits a home run a little bit later henry davis hits a home run off of him i and there was just like that just tons of excitement about what was going on and i i'm looking forward to that this year and and we talked uh, i talked to ben picorni talked to anthony murphy we've gone up through the system so far as i said and we said there's like this little ebb and flow of like you know trickling up and the trickling down effect i mean right now i look at the indianapolis roster and it's it's kind of full and i know john baker had said at some point during this offseason the guys may end up starting in altoona uh just because of of there being such a full roster um in indianapolis i mean like the rotation everything like that it, do you have a any idea on maybe some of those guys i'm thinking like maybe like a henry davis uh, starting in Altoona again, uh, maybe even, I hate to say, maybe even like Kyle Nicholas, the, that rotation is going to be so full up there. And if, if those guys are all in the rotation, I mean, even if they would use the six man to begin the season, like the minor leagues have done in the past, but kind of got away from towards the end of last year, um, except for Bradenton, there could be guys that maybe are ready for Indianapolis kind of starting out in Altoona. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned Kyle Nicholas. I, I, I would say that like he and Carmen Majinski are probably in the rotation to start the year in Altoona. Um, you know, those two guys, you know, sort of had, you know, proved some things last year um, in terms of health, right? Like Majinski missed a little bit of time. He missed like one week early in the year. Same with Nicholas where he missed a start. Um, but, you know, just seeing health for those guys and, you know, I'm doing this too, where, where I'm sort of looking around because I'm making uh, player profiles for my media guide and I'm trying to like guess at the 40 guys that have a chance to like start the year in Altoona or be close at this time of year. Um, and it's it's going to get pretty crowded at AAA. I mean, just look at last year, right? Tucapito Marcano opens at Altoona and, you know, he was a guy that had been playing at AAA and in the big leagues previously. So, um, you know, it's one of those good problems to have, to have a lot of talent that you know, trickles down from the major league roster and pushes guys down because I think it just sort of raises the competition level between players where they say, okay, I have to prove to these guys that I should be in Indianapolis or that, that I should be on the big league roster. 
And Ben uh, Charrington has kind of shown that he's, he's not afraid to make that promotion from Altoona if, if he believes that a player is ready. And sometimes it's also out of a convenience factor because, of, you know, if Altoona is at home and it's an hour and a half away, then, you know, you may not have the ability to call up that guy from AAA who they might be like in Iowa or is <laughs> where they, you know what I mean, to try to get a, a flight back here to Pittsburgh. And I mean, we saw that happen with, with Leo Verpagero last year, uh, getting his like little cup of coffee there just because, you know, he was an Altoona. And I mean, he had been playing well, so we, we knew that he was ready. But this year, I, I mean, I still look and I, I see a decent amount of of top prospects that could find their way there. The one that excites me the most, I, I can't wait to see him uh, live. Cause I, I, I haven't yet at this point in time, I've seen him, you know, through, through, you know, the streaming and everything like that. But Dario Lopez, I cannot wait to watch that guy arrive in Altoona. Yeah. Heard some great things. You know, I did a, I did an interview with Johnny Tucker, who's the hitting coordinator for the, on the minor league side for the pirates. And, you know, he and I were chit-chatting a little bit, and, and I and I asked him, you know, who's somebody that, you know, Kerr fans can look forward to seeing at some point in 2023, and he said Dario Lopez was somebody that was pretty exciting to him, and that, you know, they think he's got a pretty bright future with the bats, so, um, you know, remains to be seen whether he opens with Altoona, but, uh, you know, it's always good to have more of those guys sort of on the way. You'd rather have the problem of, hey, we have too many good third basemen than, you know, being short a third baseman <laughs> in the big leagues, you know? Yeah. And, and Altoona has been a place I, you know, in, in recent history here where that's some of that, that outfield depth. And once again, I mean, the major league roster, you look at triple a, you, you look at different stuff like that, but um, who are you, are you looking for possibly like on your mind as to, you know, maybe across the board, like who could be from like left to left to right, like who could be in that outfield this year? I would say Matt Gorski is probably opening in center field is my guess. I, I would think Matt Frazier is there as well. And Lolo Sanchez and Connor Scott, right? Like, I think that's probably the group of four outfielders that will open in Altoona this year. Um, you know, had Gorski stayed healthy, he had a chance at a 30-30 season. Um, but, you know, ends up missing all of July and all of August. And he gets back just in time to, you know, get a few at-bats at the end of the year. And then he ends up in Indy where I think he played one or two games and then got hurt again. So, you know, if Gorski can stay on the field, I, I think he's got a lot of upside, a lot of potential. Um, you know, Lolo Sanchez had just started to put it together when he hurt his oblique last year. Um, so there's a couple of guys that, like, you, you've, you've seen the ability, you've seen them be able to do it and do it well at this level, um, but you've got to see, a little, see it a little bit more consistently and see them stay on the field. Um, and, you know, I think Connor Scott went through a lot of growth last year. You know, he's a guy that, you know, if he adds a little bit of power to his game, I mean, he could be a heck of a player in the big leagues just because, you know, he may not be the fastest guy on the team, but he's a pretty good defensive player. I mean, he just gets great reads off the bat. And, um, you know, if he goes from seven to, say, 15 home runs for a full minor league season, then, you know, I think it's it's a little bit easier to project him into a pretty good starting role in the big leagues. Yeah, and the guy, one of the guys you mentioned there, and Lolo Sanchez got the quote-unquote surprise, you know, NRI, the uh, non-roster invitee uh, to to spring training and and launched a ball. And I know that it's Bradenton, but people have been like, well, isn't Lolo Sanchez about 30 years old by now? Because he's been in our system for so long. 
but he's, he's still a young kid. He's, he's not that old whatsoever. And he looks, I, that's just the growth of a player. Like when you draft a player or you sign a player international, whatever it would be, you're trying to project what this skinny little kid is going to you know, come into. And when I saw him out there, I'm like, that can't be Lolo Sanchez. I remember him being like 165 pounds. You know, he's he's grown into his body. And a lot of times that changes swings, that changes, you know, workout regimens. It, it changes a, a, duff, a bunch of different stuff so that they have to, you know, kind of adjust like as we adjust as we get older, you know, they have to adjust to playing, you know, baseball in a different fashion. Totally. I mean, prospect fatigue is like a real thing, right? Lolo signed in 2015, right? So you've been hearing his name now for seven years. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's he's got a lot of ability, man. Like his speed, he can play all three spots in the outfield. I think he can handle that in the big leagues at some point. Um, and he's got a pretty good eye at the plate. Like, I think that's important, too, that his pitch recognition is good. He's not shy about walking, right? Like, I think that's sort of a a skill maybe we've lost some, you know, throughout the game over the last couple of years here where, you know, guys are selling out more for power and trying to, you know, hit 35 to 40 homers in a year. But, you know, those guys that work deep at bats, you need them in your lineup. You need them on your team. And, you know, Lolo really does that. So, I, you know, I that's one reason I'm pretty high on him and would have liked to see him stay healthy all year last year. Um, it's just because he gives you good at bats. He gives you competitive at bats every day. And, Look, he's he's also one of my favorite guys that I've gotten a chance to know over the last year or two here in Altoona. Like he's really fun. He's really nice. Um, you know, he doesn't uh, he doesn't speak perfect English, but he does speak English. You know, you can you can sort of interact with him when you cross paths with him on the field or in the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's he's just got a great spirit about him. So I, I'm rooting for the guy. He's great. Yeah. And I, one of the things that kind of just popped into my head here as we were talking, cause I kind of looked down and I'm like, man, I wrote down Ricky DeVito's name for the, for the bullpen there mm -hmm. in Altoona this year. And I, I replaced him uh, on like within the pitching staff with a guy they had picked up in Scott Randall in, in like a surprise trade uh, to kind of get him to come in there. So it's, it's looking at like that interchangeability uh, and uh, looking back to, you know, Nick Garcia uh, being traded for Connor Joe possibly could have been in Altoona. But at some point in time, I mean, we, we're talking about how full these these staffs are. But uh, who are some pitchers you think that you're uh, maybe like thinking are going to be in Altoona and you're kind of getting excited about a little bit to see them uh, toe the rubber? That's a great question. Um, you know, there were a couple guys there at the end of the year, JC Flowers and Tanaj Thomas, that were just throwing the ball so well that I was like, there's got to, you got to make a spot for these guys at Indy. Like, um, you know, that's, it's a great question because the bullpen, I think, is, is probably the most fluid part of what Altoona's roster can be to start the year, especially right now, right? We're still three weeks out from opening day. So, um, you know, you've got guys sort of trying to figure out who's going to be where. Um, but I would expect a lot of guys to come back. Um, you know, Nick Domkowski is probably going to be back this year. Um, you know, I think he showed some pretty interesting things down the stretch of the season last year. You know, Brad Case is a guy who pitched well, you know, at times for Altoona last year. But, you know, I wonder if the age factor that, you know, he's going to be 26, 27 this year, I think. Um, you know, I wonder if maybe he pushes to AAA. Um, and, you know, it's it's it, that's probably the hardest area of the team to project because 
the elite guys at the back end of the bullpen from last year, Tyler Samanego, Colin Selby, Tanaj Thomas, JC Flowers, like it feels like those guys are going to push to AAA. Uh, Samanego might open with Altoona um, just because he sort of got there at, at the end of May and then, you know, was was sort of the uh, other closer <laughs> over the course <laughs> of the year for a little while there, the lefty closer, if you will. Um, you know, Tyler might end up opening with Altoona and then, you know, he might after six or seven weeks, if he's pitching the way he did last year, you know, he's another guy that it's probably like, all right, let's challenge him at Indy and, and see if he can impact the big leagues at the end of the year. And he closed out uh, that we're recording here on a Monday, we're recording a little bit early. This isn't going to come out till Friday, but I, I think that Tyler, I think he closed quote unquote, closed out the game yesterday in Bradenton that I was at uh, the 11 to three loss, but uh, it has, has at least gotten some looks. I, uh, from in big league camp, you know, and it, that's been really exciting to see. But one guy I saw over at Pirate City that I, I kind of got me got me pretty darn excited, and that was is Jared Jones. And and he right now is, according to like multiple sites, and this these are all you know, doing the same thing that that we're doing. You're more educated than I am. They're also more educated than I am. That but I've seen you know Jared Jones possibly targeted. Uh, for a spot in the rotation in Altoona, which would be an, another aggressive move for him. Yeah, right. He's going to be, he's, it's his age 21 season coming up, right? Like these, you know, guys pitching a double A at 21, that doesn't happen very often. That's one of those things where you, you sort of throw up a flag, like, ooh, who's he? Um, and, you know, I've heard great things. Um, I remember talking to one of our staff members last year um, over the course of the year, and he said to me, you know, we were talking about, you know, how good it's funny. We were talking about Tyler Samanego, actually, you know, and how he has this big sweeping slider and, um, you know, how it's, you know, maybe one of the best in the organization. And I was asking him, I was like, you know, who else is in that conversation, right? Like best breaking balls in the organization. And the staff member said to me, Jared Jones's slider is, is the one you got to be ready for. And, you know, I was, I was doing my research on him today, actually, I'm putting him in my media guide because I, I think there's a chance he's going to be with the curve. Um, and it looks like a pretty impactful four pitch mix with a big fastball in the high nineties. I mean, let's do it, man. I, <laughs> I'm trying to see that. <laughs> yeah. Cause when I, when I saw him out on the mound, I'm like, I mean, I know I'm old. Anybody that's watching this on video, you're seeing the white and everything like that. But I'm like, man, he is just, just a kid. But when he throws the ball and when he gets on the mound, he is all business and he does not pitch like a kid. He goes after hitters and it's it's absolutely insane. And it, it was just it was great to watch him pitch. Uh, another guy that I mean, I was pretty high on at the beginning of last season. And that was that was Omar Cruz. He he did end up going out to the Arizona Fall League. Didn't pitch like didn't pitch great. Didn't have. But he's another guy that was kind of like nicked up a little bit um, at times. I, I just I love watching his curveball. His curveball is like one of my favorite pitches to watch in the system. Yeah, um, he's he's fun, man. You know, I think at times he sort of got in trouble with throwing quality strikes. You know, I think you know there's a difference, um, and it's part of the maturation of a young pitcher between just throwing strikes and throwing quality strikes. And, you know, when you get to double A, you know, just being in the zone versus being in the areas that you want to be as a pitcher becomes a lot more pronounced, um, you know, because the hitters are better at this point. Um, so I think, you know, 
throwing more quality strikes and just throwing more strikes in general for Omar is pretty big. Um, you know, he's working behind in the count sometimes, but, um, you know, with that curveball and with that changeup, he's got the tools. You know, he he maybe you know you know maybe if he can find another two three miles an hour on his fastball velocity, I think you know that'll really make a difference for him to climb the chain and then eventually be successful in the big leagues. Um, but you know his ability to go multiple innings is big. Um, you know he can sort of swing back and forth. He sort of filled that role for Altoona where you know the curve opened the season with you know, sort of a group of piggyback guys, you know, what they call, you know, length guys out of the bullpen. So, you know, the starters would go, I think it was the first two times through the rotation, four innings, then the next two turns, five innings. So, you know, you had a situation where it was like Bear Bellamy, Omar Cruz, uh, JC Flowers, you know, where they were sort of on a rotation uh, where they would work as the follower and go multiple innings following those guys. And then eventually, Cruz flipped roles with Travis McGregor, where Cruz started games and McGregor went to that sort of swing role out of the bullpen. Um, so that ability to go multiple innings will serve him well down the road. Um, but I'm looking for a little bit of growth from him. I mean, he's he's got a chance to push up there because, you know, there's there's available left handed innings that you need at some point here in the upper levels. Yeah, I mean, that's we talked about it. I, I forget who I even talked about it is. I Ben Sherrington and even John Baker are, are are very cognizant of the fact that there are so many innings that need to be pitched in a season and putting together a, a pitching staff um, that's that's able to accommodate that. It's been a little bit tough uh, over the past few years, both at the, the major and minor leagues because of, you know, a pandemic shortened season and then, uh, you know, lockouts and, you know, the minor leaguers were able to get down there and working out last year, but they maybe weren't having as much of iron shape, you know, sharpens iron by going against, you know, the higher levels of competition at time, because I mean, that is, I, I feel like it's extremely helpful to just, even if it's, you know, some of the veteran leadership uh, from above the guys on the 40 man, uh, just for the short time that they're down, there's there's a lot of stuff that they can learn from them. Uh, but but one thing I, I definitely did want to ask you, John, before before we get going here, uh, is that um, who is I, I don't want to say like a, a breakout guy, but you you mentioned you know Lolo, is, and and I've brought up some guys. Is there anybody that as you've been like kind of like looking through your notes again uh, that you're thinking, man, I. I'm looking for big things for him, from him this season. And it can be a pitcher, it can be a hitter, whatever is kind of like on your on the top of your uh, mind here. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking for a bounce back year from Leo Verpigero. Um, You know, after two months in Altoona, I thought he was going to hit his way out of the league. I, you, I mean, he was incredible the first two months of the year. And then I remember it very specifically. It was the first week of June, Bowie came in, uh, Orioles affiliate. And they might have thrown him three fastballs the entire week. It was just spin, 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 and more spin. Um, and he had the toughest week of his season. And, you know, going forward there, you know, it wasn't the same Peggy over the last three months of the season that we saw the first two months of the year. Um, and I was really encouraged. I was reading uh, Jason Mackey wrote on Leover a couple days ago, or maybe it was early last week. And, you know, Leover was just talking about, I'm just, I'm just more focused and that he felt, and, you know, I could sort of read through the quotes that he was a little bit more mature as a person. I mean, he's going to be 22 this year, right? Like he's a puppy still, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and, you know, if he starts to make the routine play in the field, cleans up some of those errors, 
Um, you know, he can become a lot more trustworthy at shortstop. Um, he's a guy that I, I could see playing in an all-star game just with the way that he can swing the bat with power, with speed. And, um, you know, he's another guy that has great personality and is, and is super nice and, and makes connections with everybody in the clubhouse. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I'm going to be watching pretty closely the first couple weeks of the season, if he does open with Altoona, just to see what's different. Um, because I think that there's a chance that he sort of breaks out and hits for a high average and, you know, hits for some serious impacts for this team. Um, he's a guy I'm pretty excited about. And then, you know, his double play partner in the middle, uh, let's see a little bounce back from Nick Gonzalez this year. I mean, the, it sounds like he's been doing good things at spring training this year. I, I imagine you got a chance to see him last week when you were down in Bradenton. So, um, I'm interested to see those two guys together because, you know, there's obviously a lot invested from an organizational perspective in those two guys. Um, you know, so you want to see those guys sort of get to their full potential and, you know, shoot, if they get there, you know, you've got two really darn good players up the middle. Yeah. And what I was thinking about, I mean, a lot of people are probably like, once again, before we, before we get out of here, I'm, I'm just going to reiterate that John Baker had said guys, because people are looking and you're, they're saying, Oh, Leo Pagara is not going to start in triple a. Well, that's, that's terror. You know, that's not going to be good. Nick Gonzalez that, but you know, the competition, especially with, you know, I, I can't wait till I can stop talking about the pandemic and talking about the effect of the realignments of, you know, the system. But, you know, these guys lost a year of development. These guys uh, are being asked to, you know, play at levels they may not have played at before. And especially for a guy like Nick Gonzalez, who like every year kind of seems to be um, a slow starter just just for and then once he the bad part is, is once he gets going then he got injured in Greensboro and yeah. then in Altoona but then when he comes back he's he's on fire again so I, I don't see that as a, a, a bad thing and like I said I could go back to the, the realignment thing is you're seeing a lot more like higher I feel like higher level of pitching you're facing higher level of pitching in double a than you may have been facing you know prior to you know 2020 it's, it's just kind of my opinion it's just same with i've I looked at the fcl and i'm like a lot more college guys go there and you got college guys mm. cut you know and, and just the way it trickles up and down so that's where like I, I don't think that people need to focus on the assignments as much uh just my opinion you know amateur opinion is just and and to focus on you know, how they perform and how they, you know, they show out over the first, you know, month or two of the season and kind of let things play out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a far different player development world since the pandemic, right? I mean, you haven't, you've, you've not had a normal spring training from a player development standpoint since 2019, right? Because 2020, everybody goes home, you know, roughly around this time. We're, we're recording this March 13th, right? Everybody goes home. Uh, 21 is a limited spring training where the big league guys come first. And then a month later, the minor league guys came. You know, last year was the big league lockout. So they didn't really play a ton of spring training games, you know. And then this year, you've got the World Baseball Classic, right? Where, where guys are, uh, you know, pulled away to, to play for their national teams. So, there's there's not been a normal spring training for anybody. So that's why I like the assignments at the beginning of the season are always a little bit taken with a grain of salt, right? Like player development guys, you know, the people that are making these decisions, 
they're human beings too, right? They're, they're taking their best guess as to what is the right level for a guy based on the information they have in front of them. So, you know, it's each of the last three years now, they're working with far different information complexes than what they had prior to the pandemic. So, you know, I think you're right in that it's wrong to sort of focus on, you know, where a guy goes to start the year and whether it's good or bad for his career. Like, you know, if a guy opens a double A and sets the world on fire, that's a good problem to have. Push him up to triple A. Great. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's I, I mean, I agree with with some of your thought there that like it's it's a weird time. It's it's difficult for sure. Yeah. And uh, John, I, I, it's great to have you on again, man. And, and actually great to, you know, kind of finally see you like in quote unquote in person, everything, but I will be, you know, out in Altoona there at some point in time. And like I said, favorite ballpark, favorite team always will be the curve have a, a special place in my heart. I, uh, for those of you that don't please go follow John Moses. That's without an H and at spelled with a Z from the Altoona Curve. And if you're watching, I, I guess it's like any uh, women's basketball come up, some Princeton women's basketball coming up. Let's do it, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm traveling with them. Uh, I didn't, well, I got a text here. Let's see. Nope, didn't know yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're Princeton women are their 10 seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we're going to Utah. University of Utah is the host as the two seed and they're going to play NC State Friday night. So I'll be on the radio call for that um which would be pretty fun i was covering the ivy league tournament last weekend so um yeah man this is uh this is the fun time of year man and uh hopefully princeton gets two games out of it like they did last year <laughs> that'd be awesome man well once again i said thanks for having and coming back on and i hope to do this again sometime brother all right thanks man appreciate it If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. All right, guys, that was John Moses. I once again, no H and spelled with a Z. Follow him, follow, you know, the curve, go out to curve games, go out to any minor league baseball game. I bet you can, but it's time to cue the music. All right, guys, this time I, I had to cheat again because I couldn't make it up to Altoona. I mean, it's an hour and a half drive. 
Couldn't stop at Noblestein on the way up in Indiana. Couldn't make it to Levity. Couldn't make it to Railroad City. So I had to go a little bit further east for this time. But for this one, it's it's kind of a good cause. So I'm 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 happy to do it. So take your road trip, make your way to historic Williamsport, Pennsylvania. New Trail. I've been sipping on their hazy pale ale, only about 5.1% here. I a great sipping beer. I mean, it's it's called Gearhead. It's it's. I'm not a gearhead. I don't even know if I could ride a bike at this point in time because I can't tell you the last time I rode a bike, but I sure will drink this beer. Uh, this one's coming in. For you guys that don't know the scale, this one's coming in at a 375 batting average, but uh, the weighted boba, weighted based on batting average, comes down to about a 325 because this is one of my faz- favorite, you know, sipping hazies. Uh, the next one we have, this is the one, it's called Replenish IPA. It's a West Coast style. And any uh, case that you buy of this, a dollar goes towards uh, replenishing trails and trees in Pennsylvania. So it goes to a good cause and it's a really good beer. A uh, little bit heavier comes in for me, batting 350. But since it's for a good cause, I won't give it the normal deduction for IPAs. On this one, I'm only going down to 325. Go out and buy yourself a case of Replenish. And then the granddaddy, their old school one, the Broken Heels IPA coming in at 350. Bumping back down to 300 from the, for the weighted uh, based on batting average. And then I've realized, guys, I'm, I'm getting old because I don't drink as many double ipas as i used to maybe uh <laughs> like i said maybe i'm just getting a little bit too old here but they have the double broken heels ipa that one's coming in at 9.2 percent i mean some people that drink like the heavier stouts and different stuff like that are looking at me and going man i drink one that's like 14 percent. you can handle a 9.2 well your boy can't handle a 9.2 as much as uh he used to that one's coming in at 325 bump that down to a 275 batting average. Once again, guys, this is New Trail Brewing. Thanking the guest, John Moses, for jumping back on again. I appreciate you guys listening to my little venture here on Minor League News and Brews. Uh, Next week, we'll be taking a trip out to Indiana, and luckily, I am going to Chicago this weekend, so I will be going through Indiana and going to pick up some local beers uh, from there, it just kind of matched up perfectly for me. Uh, if you don't, go follow Minor League News and Brews, follow at Bucks Basement, watch as much Minor League Baseball as possible, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>